Welcome to the Bird Life Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm your host on the podcast where you discover birds and the birders that pursue them. This is episode 35, and today we don't only have one guest, but we have two amazing guests who I'll introduce in a few moments' time. The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Seropsy Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lasser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. Be sure to follow this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on, and please take some time to rate and comment on it. If you're listening to this between the 16th of November and the 15th of December 2020, you are listening right in the middle of our 30 Days of Christmas competition, where we are giving away 30 amazing birding-related prizes over 30 days. Head on over to either our Facebook or our Instagram pages to enter. Also check out our four-part Ultimate Birders Christmas Wishlist on our website to get lots of great birding-related gift ideas. We are grateful for everyone that takes the time to tune into the podcast. We just want to take a moment to give a shout-out to one of our listeners, all the way from Rustenburg in the northwest province of South Africa. We want to thank Jonathan Breitenbach for listening to the show. He is not only a great birder, but also a talented photographer. We'll put a link in the comments section of this episode with his Instagram handle. Make sure to give him a follow. Please shoot us a message on either Facebook or Instagram and let us know where you are listening from. This Saturday, the 20th of November, is BirdLife South Africa's Birding Big Day. And we are going to hear some tips and advice on how we can see more birds on the day from two of the top birders in South Africa. First, we will chat to Duncan McKenzie from the team Hammerkop, all about helicopters, rally drivers, and a strategy that will take a lot to top. And then straight after that, we'll chat to someone who has been a regular on the show, John Kingon from Indabella Nachos, who will tell us how his team of young birders will see more than 300 birds on a day. So over to today's guests. So Duncan, I want to welcome you to the show. It's really good to chat to you. Um, I was chatting to you before we did this recording and just telling you the impact that you had on my birding journey. So all those years ago when I started birding, we linked up with a Monty Brent online course and it helped me immensely. And I know that you did many of those lectures. So um, when I do Big Birding Day, a lot of the birds that you that I'm going to get to see have had in some small ways because of the impact that your birding has had on my life. So I just want to say thank you to start off this interview. Well, it's a it's a great pleasure. It's a pleasure to be here um, and uh, be on your on your podcast. And fantastic, you know, um, that was the main point of doing those those recordings was uh, to get people interested. Yes, but uh, actually just to to share share a little bit of what we know and um, get people out, get people birding, get them excited. So I've heard some cool stories about your birding big day team i mean stuff about helicopters and all this kind of things so there's two things you guys are like kind of the james bond team of birding big day and i don't know how seriously you guys take this <laughs> i don't much about the james bond part but <laughs> uh we i think i think we take it pretty seriously so it, it is a it is a big a big day on our, on our annual calendar but yes we we do actually utilize the services of a of a helicopter it is true so before we even get into the interview let's chat about that helicopter to start with why a helicopter on big birding day tell us a little bit about this and how did that idea come about whose amazing idea was that um i forget whose idea it, it wasn't mine i can tell you that but there was always a lull in our day driving from the low felt up to the Barberton Mountains, the Makonjo Mountains. It was a lull. We didn't tick many species. It was it was hot. It was sort of between two and three o'clock. And it took us 
an over an hour to do that route. So um, it was probably Iren or Johan. They always the guys that sort of plan the most. And they um, they thought about it and spoke to one of the pilots that they knew. And he said, yeah, of course you can do that. So they, we got picked up, gosh, I can't remember the first year. I think we were picked up uh, in the Kalruch Mountains, the foothills um, just south of Malalan. And they dropped us off right on the top of Barberton Mountainlands, which is um, high altitude rolling grassland. Uh, they dropped us off in the middle of nowhere and there was our vehicle waiting. And uh, it took us about 15 minutes to, to do the drive. And by, by road, probably an hour and a half. So... Yeah, we, we, we save a bit of time uh, using the chopper. So you're part of a team called Hammerkorp. And can you tell us a little bit about, you touched on a couple of the team members, but who are your other team members and which areas are you guys looking at covering? All right, so three of the members grew up here in the Lowfeld, and that's Johan and Erin Ekstien, they're brothers, and Lawrence Krobler. They grew up birding together from school days. And then I met them um, probably 2011 or so. And then in 2013, they invited me um, onto their team, and well, we've been at it since. So, Erin lives in Pretoria now, but he grew up here. So, they, the guys know the area very well. They used to participate under a different name. I think they were called No Fear, the Afrikaans Fear. And then we changed the name a few years ago, I don't know, just for fun. But so, so those are the guys. Our area that we cover is southern Kruger Park, uh, Komatipoort, Malalan. Barberton Mountains, and then we end sort of eastern side of, of Nelspruit. And I know you weren't necessarily right from the beginning of the team, but what what do you think is important things when it comes to putting together a team um, for people that are maybe looking to put together a team, either for this year or for next year? What do you think are some of the important things to look at? Yeah, there's some really good things that, that I can tell you. One is you must be mates. Um, it's a long day together. It's, it's uh, rushing around a lot. Um, I wouldn't say there's tempers that flare, but if they, if they're good mates, if you guys are good mates, then that's, I think it's the most important thing is you must be compatible. So we're all good mates and, um, we make jokes with each other and if, yeah, so no one takes anything personally if, if we say something. So that's probably, probably the number one thing. I think if you're picking a team is pick, pick people who, who are your friends that, that you know you'll get along with or people that you think you could get along with. Um, that, that, to me, is the most important thing. And then, obviously, secondly, you, you need to – I mean, if, if you want a competitive total, then, you know, you need to pick guys that have got good ears because most of your birding on Birding Big Day is actually by ear, so on, on bird calls. So knowledge of bird calls is critical in getting a, a competitive total. And then what is your guys' highest birding big day total? And what's the goal for this year? Not to put a bogey on you guys, but what is the goal for this year? Well, I think like most teams, our goal is not actually to win. Um, I know there are teams that really do go out specifically to win, but I think ours is, is to beat our best, our previous best. And our previous best was set in 2018, and we managed um, 320 on the day. So I guess this year our, our target is going to be 320. And then um, if we get anything more, it'll be a bonus. But as as per previous years and per most teams, at some stage you're going to um, run into Mother Nature. So we'd like to get a, a, our own best total. But on the day, last year we had um, a weather station thermometer reading of 42 degrees in Malalan, which was extreme. 
Um, and I know uh, 2017 or 16, I think we had rain and wind. So there's always going to be something. And then you just adjust your total. You take 20 or 30 or 40 species off and, you, and then you aim for that. So that's our target this year. We're trying a few new spots as, as always. And yeah, we'll see what we find. I think of a team of your guys' caliber, you're not just picking those spots randomly. There's, there's a pre-event process that goes into um, Birding Big Day. So what does that look like for your, for your team? It's huge. So we have multiple route adjustments. Um, some of them are, are last minute. Based on recent information, so we have lengthy discussions to which options. We've got a plan A, a plan B, a plan C. There's a lot of, of logistical things that we need to put into place. Um, we have a really good support team, quite a large support team of drivers and food providers. Um, a, lo- a lot of landowners need to be contacted. And, and Johan, he's, Johan's kind of our f- team facilitator. Aaron, Aaron's probably our team captain um, and our, our logger. He's our official logger. Johan's our principal logistics operator and he's he's genius at it. He's, he's very good. So he contacts us. 100 different landowners and permission to fly and all these sort of things. Whereas Lawrence and I, Lawrence is our, he's our rally driver. He's, he's really good at spotting birds as well. And I think I'm just a birder that's part of the team. That's my, my forte. So um, we all have bits and pieces that we do, but it's, 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 a, big, it's a big operation. We have reckeys. So this week we'll be doing a few reckeys uh, to different places. Our biggest challenge in the low felt Apart from the heat, is um, our waterbirds. Waterbirds, we have some good spots, but it's nothing like a high, a good high felt pan. You know, that's what we actually need on our route. And water levels are critical. And some of our best spots, historical spots, are now dead, currently dead because of high water levels, because water gets pumped into these dams, irrigation dams. So, so we have a lot of challenges on the day, but planning is huge. We, we, I think we use four, maybe at least four different vehicles throughout the day. They are pre-parked in some places and they are brought on the day and other occasions. And there are drivers, there are there's food provisions, there's all sorts of things. So logistically, the planning and the, and the actual logistics is, is quite immense. You guys actually sound like a rally team. I'll be watching the show on Formula One on Netflix and you guys are kind of like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a long day. And yeah, so, so we, as I said, we bring multiple skills to the table and, and Lawrence is a fantastic driver. He'll smile at me if he hears this, but he, he's, a, he's a really good driver and, um, and, and a fantastic spotter. So Erin has got amazing ears and, and Johan is Mr. Logistics. And so it helps to have sort of a multifaceted team. Yeah, there's next level, then there's Hammerkop. You guys are insane. Uh, <laughs> but you're speaking about that that heat. And are we going to talk about the practical running of the day and how you guys practically do it? But, you know, how do you, you know, what I find is there, there, there's, a, there's a certain time of the day where I find your energy levels start to dip a bit and, you know, it gets a little bit more difficult. You know, how, what tips would you give in terms of that? How do you guys get through that? Especially with the fact that you guys, I mean, last year you had 42 degrees. I mean, it's pretty hot. How do you get through those, 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 difficult times of the day one of the main things is, is that we only have to do this one day a year so and i mean that in a serious way because it's an intense day your concentration really drops when you're tired but critically none of us seem to ever get too tired at the same time so there's always alert people but but i mean food provisions we have food provisions all over the place so we're regularly eating and, and taking in liquids and things like that we do start at midnight and this year we probably will end close to midnight. I think uh, we've got an extended program. We always 
struggle on the, on the second evening, if I can call it the second evening. So we've got an extended Saturday night planned this year. But heat, so we, we start in the Kruger National Park. We leave Kruger, I think, 8 or so in the morning. Like we leave Kruger really, really early. And we've already got about 160 on the board. So our dawn chorus is critical to, to be in the area with the highest species diversity. I think then you need to start looking at the waterbirds only after that. Waterbirds you can tick any time of day. They're in a more open environment. They're more visible. They don't sit quietly in the in the shrubs in the heat of the day. So waterbirds, the, the waterbird spots you can leave you can leave them for the heat of the day. And we always seem to find an interesting waterbird somewhere, and that kind of gets your motivation levels up again and finding an unusual bird or having a, a humorous moment with your mates in the team. One, our, one of our best forest birding spots we actually hit at midday more or less and then we always seem to do well enough and then the best forest birding of, of the whole trip we, we do sort of mid to late afternoon and it always seems to provide. So so the heat it is a bit of an issue or it can be hopefully not this year but I think living here for a, for a start, is, I guess we're slightly more acclimatized to the heat, um, slightly maybe, but it's just that persistence, perseverance, liquid intake, and then a, a nice cool helicopter ride in the heat of the day helps a lot. And then on a practical level, which what, what times of the day do you feel suit different habitats? I mean, just quickly, which habitats do you think are best suited? You spoke about water birds, you can do any time of the day, but you know, there's forests, there's grassland, what habitats suit different types of the day? We've tried starting in forest. Forests take a bit of time to, to get going, we find. Especially if you've got a really cool morning, then forest birds, they're the late sleepers of the bird world. So, well, many of them. So, savannah, absolutely. Hit, hit the savannah, hit the dawn chorus, get the bulk of your, of your get, get half of your species by sort of eight, nine, nine o'clock in the morning. And then the bulk of those are going to be bird calls as well. So you, you really want to up your, your bird call knowledge, practice bird calls if you need to or whatever, and then um, be alert. So even if it's hot and, and you're tired, you know, you need to keep up energy levels and get your teammates energized or they get you energized or something like that. So definitely start Savannah uh, first thing. Not everybody lives in the Savannah biome, obviously, if you're in the Cape. It's radically different, but we found on, on our side of the country, savannah followed by, I suppose, grassland, then water birds, middle of the day, and we, we're quite happy with the forest in the evening. So for somebody who's listening now who maybe hasn't registered for Birding Big Day yet, what would be your motivation? I know it's like when this episode goes out, there's going to be two or three days to go. Why would you say someone needs to take part in Birding Big Day? Uh, there's a few reasons. I think one of the main reasons is awareness. So <clears throat> on our day, we we associating with multiple people, landowners and, and reserve staff and all that sort of thing. And they see, oh, they're out birding, birding. There's competition. They, they see this crazy helicopter taking off or whatever. So it's a good advert for birding as a hobby. Um, it's good for BirdLife South Africa, who uh, obviously use this as a, a fundraising event, an awareness event for them, um, which is great because they, they need as many people as they can get. You know, our birds are in trouble. We've got a lot of threatened species. We've got a lot of threats to bird habitats. So Birding Big Day is a huge awareness campaign for bird life as well. So those are the sort of important bits, but then just have fun. You know, and before before I was in, in this team, uh, I had a, I was in a team in KwaZulu-Natal in Zululand, 
And, you know, we started at four in the morning and we finished at seven and that was it. And if we wanted a nap in the afternoon, we did that. So no one's telling you you have to do midnight to midnight. People are saying just go out birding and take it to the level that you're comfortable with. If you're comfortable with sitting in your garden and ticking off birds, do it. You're participating, you're creating awareness, you're talking about it. You know, this year I've got 100 species. Oh, wow, next year I'm going to go for 110 or whatever. So there's also the little mini challenges you can do to motivate yourself to get going. I know last year, um, Peter Fister, Jason Boyce, they did their birding big day kind of as a, as a, as a five-day event. And they um, smashed the national pentad species list. So one, one submitted lists for, list for one pentad, one sort of square, geographical square. And they got something like 248 species in an area of about 77 square kilometers. So that was their birding big day. That was their challenge. Um, and it's the highest total in the whole of, of South Africa. So there's always ways you can challenge yourself and get yourself motivated and give yourself reasons. But at the end of the day... It's for the birds and for your particular team's interest level. Take it to the level that you're comfortable with and then progress if you want to or regress if you want to after that. Oh, Duncan's been so so cool having a chat to you. I really appreciate you giving up your time. Uh, definitely, I want to have a chat with you again and just you know find a little bit more of your story. So thanks for giving me up the time. I really appreciate it. Adam, it's been a pleasure and I hope to see, uh, to see you doing Birding Big Day as well this year. So, John, big birding years, big birding days. There's something about competition that makes you excited. Yeah, I can't seem to get away from it. <laughs> um, no, I love, I love the thrill of the chase. So, um, I think, I think birding big days are just absolutely incredible. I mean, expanding it over a year is, is, is. I mean, you have certain levels of excitement, and then you essentially take that and you can cram it into 24 fast-paced, grueling, blood, sweat, and tear-filled hours um, in an attempt to see as many as you can in an extremely limited amount of time. 24 hours sounds like a lot, but it's not. Trust me, on the day, you need another 24. Bro, it's like the most rock and roll thing birders do the whole year. It's super cool. Oh, yeah, no, it's it's fantastic. I love it. And yeah, like you said, I can't seem to get away from it. Tony and I have done big years locally. I mean, that's where we've where we started our uh, big years, um, big days locally. That's where we started it. And we've gone over to Israel as well to participate. Obviously, the champions of the flyway, arguably one of the world's most grueling 24-hour bird races that there are. And it's just, it's mind-blowing. But uh, the numbers in Israel don't compete with what we get down here. We get almost double what we get on a big day in Israel, um, slightly less down here in South Africa. So, no, I love it. It's, it's fantastic. The, ad- the ad- absolute adrenaline rush is is just it's brilliant 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 so i had a chat to duncan mckenzie one of your mates just before we did this interview and he just said i must just tell you please don't waffle too much yeah i know i see we two minutes into this and i'm like trying to hold back because it's it's a problem i i I tend to waffle so you must just tell me to shut up We'll try to keep to the script. Last time we went totally off the script. We'll try to keep to today. But yeah, so so Tony like put this big number onto Facebook and the three hundred number, and that is a pretty crazy number. It's 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 a big number to chase after. What is your guys' plan? Are you just like putting it out there, or do you have a plan to get that three hundred? 
Yeah, so it's definitely one of the main things about doing a big day, Adam, is that you need to have a plan. So as much as 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 much as it is, um, well, we'd like to think that you know we're just going to take it easy and stuff like that. You know, we spend a lot of hours in the field, busy conducting reckeys on our routes or parts of our routes um, over a couple of weeks leading up to the actual big day itself. We spend many hours behind our laptops, um, pulling lists from SABAP2 data, pulling previous trip lists from trips where we've guided, um, working from previous big year lists and comparing, you know, what areas and what habitats we need to sit down and work through this year, what's going to take our total, you know, bigger, better and, and, and further than what we've ever done before. And I'll be honest with you, we've never hit 300 before. It's always been a dream. The highest or the best total we got, I think, was two years ago. Um, and frustratingly, yeah, we got we we hit a massive. It was one of the big days in 2018. Well, it was the big day in 2018, where nationwide there was just thunderstorms everywhere, and it was like a complete washout. So by the time we got to a completely new, different biome, this arid thornfelt, where basic, basic, common stuff was was evading our list, we were met with absolute torrential downpours um, right up until five o'clock, six o'clock that evening. And I don't know, I guess our hopes kind of got washed out, as you see, pun intended. And we opted to skip one of our evening visits. And uh, as a result, we ended on about 276 species, I believe. And had we gone to our last site, we probably would have pushed it, um, you know, to the low 290s, I think. Um, so we would have inevitably probably missed the 300. Uh, but I think this year it's gearing up. It's gearing up to, you know, we've had some early rains up here on our route. And we put a lot of hours in. Tony and myself have spent a lot of time guiding in a large portion of our route that we're going to be doing. So I think it's going to be good. And it's nervous. Yeah, Tommy, Tony put 300 out on Facebook. I know Yandre also did that. But let's see. You know what? If we don't, if we don't get 300, so be it. But we've, we've given ourselves a gargantuan goal. And we'll give it absolute horns to see if we can try and do it. So we're definitely putting in the, the hard work and grind for this one. So you spoke about Tony and Yandre. Um, what is the name of your team? And what are the other team members? So we call ourselves the Indebele Nachos. Um, we've been going for quite some time now. It's generally a team consisting of young birders. Um, we've got um, myself, Tony, Yandre, Juan van den Ever, and then Angelique de Lange. So yeah, it's a group of young birders. I'm, <laughs> I'm the oldest guy in the group. Uh, 25, Yandre is the youngest. Yeah, that's that's basically us, the Indebele Nachos. Given, uh, we, we got the name Indebele from the local cultures and that in the area are now specifically chosen route. Um, so the Indebele people are quite prominent in a particular area of our of our route. So we thought we'd pay tribute to that uh, fantastic culture by, you know, naming ourselves the Indebele Nightjars. Nightjars being because we get a whole host of them in the early hours of the morning as well. So, yeah. I'm always interested about how teams are put together. So you've got this team of young people and John. <laughs> Yeah, you get the young people. <laughs> yeah. Have you got have, have, have you got your hat? <laughs> yeah, no, I've got my hat. No, listen, my little blesscorp is gonna have to be covered. Yeah, no, I see how it is. <laughs> so John, what yeah, you know, what I want to ask you is how do you you know, how do you put together a team and you know why do you put the why? Why would you say you put the specific individuals you put into your team and what do you think are the ingredients that make up a good birding big day team? So the team needs to gel. 
Adam. That's that's the main thing. I don't I don't care how experienced birders are in any team environment, whether it's sport, whether it's wherever, whether it's birding big days. If your team does not gel and you do not have a lack of vibe going on, the day ends up you don't work together well. Okay, and you don't end up functioning and you don't function at 110% each and every single one of those individuals. And the thing is, is if you set yourself a massive goal and you're not each and every one of you functioning at 110%, you're not going to reach that goal. You need one person to not be functioning at that level. Uh, it starts affecting the group vibe and you guys don't gel together. The thing is, is if you're working nicely together as, as, as a group, you start feeding off of each other's excitement as well, which is fantastic. And that's what makes you start exceeding your levels of skill and expertise it's like almost like a big day and in finding yourself in a decent group of of birders um which you gel nicely with takes you to a whole different level of birding which is fantastic and you know obviously you got to look for when when comprising a team you got to look for individuals with certain sets of skills as well so yeah i mean obviously somebody if they have fantastic hearing that's brilliant. Another person or another two individuals might have incredible eyesight. You know, they might be able to spot a blue axe bull from flipping five kilometers away type thing. You know, I've exaggerated, but you know what I mean. Uh, and then the other individuals might just be intuitive in terms of keeping track of a list or perhaps even just picking up on general things, whether it's picking up on sounds or picking up on sights, which your experts, so to say, in the team may have overlooked. They sort of pick up on the stuff that's being overlooked. And that is a major contribution as well to the team. So it's important to identify certain sets of skills and to make sure that you don't just have, you know, four or five birders who have sharp hearing. You have to cover all the bases when it comes to birding skills. And if you can do that and you're gelling together as, as a team, you've got a recipe for, for success, 100%. Yandre, I know, drinks tons of coffee. Has he tried your Atlas coffee yet? I'm honestly not sure. If he hasn't, I'm going to have to have stern words with him and he might have to drive the early hours in the in the buck of my bucky. <laughs> so, yeah, what areas are you looking to cover on the day and what is your what is your plan for the day look like? So, we are based in the northeastern parts of the Wadagharting region. It's a very, very famous route. Uh, was a route done by the uh, Raiders of the Lost Locks team, which was the first team to break 300 in the Wadagharting area, and it was on this exact route. Um, there's only ever been another Wadagharting team, a single other Wadagharting team to do that, and that was the Soaring Asuzus. They did it, uh, I believe, in 2018. I'm not too sure if they did it last year, so I'm speaking under correction here. And uh, they're the only other team to have ever done that before. Um, and they beat uh, the Raiders of the Lost Locks overall record of 303 by, um, I think, a single species or perhaps two species upon rechecking their list. So, yeah, I mean, our route starts uh, east of Pretoria in the town of Bronkospreit. Uh, from there, we tackle lots of famous routes, the famed Flaklachter grasslands, which is a network of dirt roads through farm grassland, high altitudinal grasslands. We then drop down altitude and we go into this riverine uh, forest type vibe in the Volcher River Valley which uh, is obviously a valley where the Vilcher River flows through and you get this fantastic river around woodland. And towards the end of it, you get some broadleafed woodland as well, which brings with it a different uh, habitat as well. Uh, we then head up to um, Mabusa Nature Reserve. It's also broadleafed woodland, different change in habitats as well. 
From there, we head uh, westward to a place called Mkombo Dam, which I'm sure many, many birders have known about. It's famed for the rarities that it's produced over the years. Uh, then across to Rista Winter. From Rista Winter, we end off in the evening um, in a secret little spot of ours <laughs> uh, called Royval Sewage Works. It was not really secret, but many, many birders, once the sun starts to set, they end up to, end up opting out. Whereas uh, we're going to choose to hit Royval Sewage Works and just try and eke out the last couple species before the day comes to a close. So obviously there's a couple of little farm dams here and there thrown into the mixture. But in a nutshell, that's the route we do. And what makes the route so popular is the array of habitats that you're covering. And that's crucial in a big day. If you're looking for high numbers, cover lots of different habitats. And this route just seems to produce whenever we do it. Um, it's, it's a fantastic, fantastic route. You know, Etienne Marais said that on, on the Learn the Birds uh, webinar a couple of weeks ago, a couple of, yeah, earlier this week, no, last week, and he said that don't chase birds, chase habitats. And I think that's really good advice. Yes, no, definitely. And, and yeah, I mean, that's coming straight from the one of the leaders of that Raiders of the Lost Larks team. Um, so, yeah, if you want totals, you're chasing habitats. I just when you were saying all those Afrikaans um, names, I just saw that wimpy advert where that woman was sitting on the on the the veranda, the stoop, and she turns to her husband and says, I, I like when you speak foreign. Remember that advert? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, no, I tend to give <laughs> I tend to give myself goosebumps as well occasionally. So you like it you like it when you speak foreign yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's out of the norm out of the norm for me. So yeah, so I know it's quite soon before Big Birding Day or Birding Big Day. By the time this um, episode goes out, you know, it's going to be two or so days to go. But what advice would you give to teams, even at this late stage, that want to up their numbers? We've spoken about habitat. We've spoken about all those things. What practical advice? Is there any other, is, or put this way, is there any other advice that you'd give them besides what you've already given them? Yeah, so I mean, I touched on planning your route. Um, you know, it's important to not only have an idea as to what route you're going to be doing, but you need to actually break it down into time slots um, for the extremely serious teams. They even break it down into brackets of five to 10 minutes that they have to be spots in those specific spots. And they afford themselves five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever the case might be. And then they have to hit the road. They work out the traveling distance between the from site to site. Then they say, okay, cool. We've got 10 minutes at this site. Then it's 15 minutes travel times. Then we've got five minutes at this site. Then it's 20 minutes. So, you know, you need to work out some time slots. If you do that, it enforces a sense of discipline in your keeping track for the day. And what's important is that you need to, if you do not stick to your time, especially if you have a, a, a sort of a lot of sites to visit, at, at the end of the day, it won't catch up with you in the middle part of the day, but by lunch or, or in the initial part of the day, but by lunchtime and going forward into the early afternoon, especially the early evening, you just start running out of time for sites and you can't visit all the sites you've planned and it becomes a problem. So make sure that you have, um, you know, if you don't want to be hectic about it, you know, then don't break it down into into, into five to 10 minute slots. Uh, if you really, really want the numbers and you need to cover the sites in order to get the numbers, then that's what you need to do. But just make sure that you're giving yourself some time slots for the day. Uh, make sure that you get rest the night before. It's crucial. It really is important, um, especially if you're getting up at 12, because from midnight to the time sunrise comes at half past four, you are already absolutely knackered. You've been awake for four and a half hours, and it's not just being awake. You are actively, actively working. Your mind's working. Your eyes are working. Your ears are working, and you're functioning on 110%. So you need to make sure that you pace yourself throughout the course of the day, and doing that starts with a crucial foundation of a great night's rest um, the night before. 
because if you start getting team members sleeping throughout the course of the day, which is inevitable, but you need to make sure that the majority of the team is awake and functioning so that if they see a species, they can get onto it quick so that you guys can make sure that you add that to your list in accordance with the BLSA um, big day rules. So it sounds intense, but if you do this and you implement the stuff that we've spoken about, if you implement the stuff Duncan has spoken about, it's a recipe for success and uh, you're bound to have a fantastic, fantastic big day. And then, John, just some exciting news to close with. Um, we are proud to announce that Outliers Coffee Roasters are now part of the official sponsors of the monthly Birding Life show. And really, it's really awesome to have you guys on board. Um, we'll be drinking some of the, your coffee uh, over, big birding, over Birding Big Day. So why do you feel that this was a great partnership? So Outliers Coffee Roasters, not a lot of people know that I'm actually involved in it, but it's it's a family business. Uh, and my dad's the, the master roaster, and he's the one that undertook this journey and went all the training and spent hours learning and practicing and mastering his abilities. And, uh, you know, my, the family was brought on board as well, naturally. And we're passionate about it because the bottom line is, is Outliers Coffee Roasters is about conservation. It's coffee with a conscience. It's roasting for a cause. And we give back a large amount of proceeds from every single sale of ours to conservation MPOs, NGOs that we strongly believe in and that resonate. Their message resonates with us as avid lovers of nature and conservation. So we partnered with an array of different organizations um, from BirdLife South Africa through to the Endangered Wildlife Trust through to Vulpro um, and various other organizations as well, a list of which you can have a look, see on our um, on our website. So yeah, and uh, it's fantastic to be partnered with the Birding Life because uh, the Birding Life shares very similar feelings towards conservation. And it's fantastic that we are able to, you know, provide you guys with caffeine-fueled energy to carry on going about what you guys do. And that's spreading the word about birds and bird conservation and introducing a whole lot of other different people into the worlds of birding. So, yeah, I mean, I think the relationship between coffee and birding and birders is a synonymous one and uh, one that a lot of people, you know, can recall. You yourself in writing uh, the write-up about Arthur's Coffee Roses say that you absolutely love Nothing more than sitting down, listening to the dawn chorus and having a nice cup of coffee. And a lot of people feel the exact same. So I think it's a fantastic partnership. We're really excited. And I'm sure a lot of a lot more people are going to get to know more about coffee and, and how we assist in conservation as well. We're just saying before we end on the episode, I think what I love about um, Outliers Coffee is this. And I've heard so many stories about your guys' customer service. You guys are passionate about coffee, passionate about people, and lastly, you are passionate about conservation. I think those three things together are such a good combination. And it's so good to have you guys on board. It's really an honor to have you guys on board. And John, it's been good chatting to you again. I hope that the advice you're given tonight um, uh, for Birding Big Day is going to help some people get some good numbers. And, you know, if someone's listening, let us know if you're taking part. And, yeah, we'll be, we'll be following you guys uh, over the course of the day. So we look, we'll see what's happening with you guys and how you guys are doing. Um, maybe post some pictures from, from your, your day. And, yeah, looking forward to my bro. 100%. No, thanks, Adam. Appreciate you bringing me on to give some advice to people. I hope it works. And uh, to everybody participating, please, above all, just keep safe on the roads. Um, it gets quite chaotic uh, in general when traveling on our roads. So just keep safe. And most importantly, just have an absolute blast. And hopefully, 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 I'll be able to bump into some of you in the field as well. So best of luck to everybody participating wherever you might find yourself. And uh, bird hard. We are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. 
If you would like to support the Bird Enough project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website, www.thebirdinglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Birdlasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a laugh list while playing your part in social conservation. As well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.